0: Welcome back, everybody, to Two Bars. We have the only two bars. There are only two bars in this world, Scott. We have both of us, just you and I, today for a little uh, preseason review pod. Um, But, but Scott, before before we get to that, I I just got to say, like, if you're not subscribed to the greatest fantasy site of all time, fantasypoints.com, you're doing yourself a massive, massive disservice. We've been updating projections constantly to get you going, getting... All of our cheat sheets uh, have been updated every single day. Uh, Joe Dolan's been doing a phenomenal job updating the auction cheat sheets. So if you're in auctions in the next, like, 20 days in the lead up to the season, we have it all covered. Not only do we have projections on lock, cheat sheets on lock, we've got gambling previews from our guy Tom Brawley on lockdown. Wes Huber's been crushing pre- preseason DFS. We've got a big third week of preseason coming up with a lot of starters that should be getting some some playtime finally. So, Yeah. You're going to want to subscribe. And if you want to get in any subscription right now, you can save 10%. Works at about 10, 12 bucks. If you get the premium package, you want to get code 21 Barfield 10. It's much better than 21 uh, Barrett 10. Now you're going to save the same amount of money, but we know 21 Barfield 10 is the better one to go with. But Scott, let's get to it. Man. Join the cult. Yeah. Join the cult. Join, you know, you're already a part of the Swamp rats. If you're listening to this podcast, you're already a Swamp rat, and we thank you, but we want you to save a few bucks and win all of your leagues this year, so get into it. But Scott, man, you've been doing a you've been doing a phenomenal job with the preseason reviews. I've helped you out with like a couple games here and there, just because <laughs> you would be dead if I didn't. But um, yeah, you've been doing a, an awesome, awesome job breaking down uh, all the games and taking away you know all the you know key key takeaways for like first team snaps, all that stuff. So we're gonna review just kind of we're not gonna go game by game or anything like that, but we'll just review some like the top situations to go through. Um, you know, I think you and I have kind of view preseason the same just off the top. Like, you know, we don't really put too, too much effort into like who's looking good because, you know, a lot of the times we're, you know, these guys are facing like vanilla coverages quarterbacks just don't have to do too much. There's a lot of just design stuff and they're really just trying to get reps in and get comfortable. Um, but we can, what we can take away is usage. Um, And I I think you and I kind of view that very similarly. So uh, let's get going with the first uh, – this is the first game of this past week, so we'll start there. Eagles-Patriots. Yeah, man, I I think you made a good note about Dallas Goddard in your article. Um, As long as Zach Hurts is there, I mean, this is – it's going to be really, really tough for Goddard to break out on this run-first team.
1: Yeah, so uh, (laughs) there was also a tweet today uh, from – Elliott Shore Parks, who's like a questionable beat. But uh, all he's doing here is counting targets with the first string offense in practice. And apparently Zach Ertz is number three in targets. Goddard's number one. That's that's great. But uh, they're going to cannibalize each other's production. And, you know, if Ertz is already third on the target totem pole. I, I don't see him getting cut or traded.
0: No.
1: Um, yeah, so Goddard played on four of six snaps with the first string offense last week. Uh, the week before that, uh, he was out snapped by Ertz seven to five out of 10. And that's just really concerning. Uh, last year, uh, when both were healthy, Ertz ran a route on 72% of the team's dropbacks. That was well above Goddard's 47%. So again, they're cannibalizing each other's production. Um, they're both essentially part time players. Uh, and it's, it's really concerning, you know, that, that really limits Goddard. I, I've bumped him down at a full tier. You already are taking, uh, I believe, Robert Tunyon and Tyler Higby ahead of him. And so he's just a tricky eval for fantasy where it's just, okay, if Ertz is gone, you know, he's a potential lead winner, but it's far more likely than not that Ertz stays, in which case he's, you know, a massive value trap. And then... He, you know, of course, Philadelphia is going to run 12 personnel at one of the highest rates in the league. But what does that mean for Jalen Rieger, who's coming off the field in two wide receiver sets and Quez Watkins, it looks like is starting over him. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on uh, with Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the big things that was the problem with the Eagles in previous years, obviously, is all their guys just got hurt. I mean, they just did not have any depth to really like, you know, if somebody went down, Um, they just didn't have the depth to like really overcome it. And that's, uh, you know, Wentz was a broken quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. But there's definitely something to be said that the Eagles are way, way deeper now than they were. And, you know, last year in the games that Goddard, that Goddard played without Ertz. I mean, he averaged like 12 and a half fantasy points per game. I mean, that would have been, you know, we know tight ends are shit after, you know, Kelsey and Waller, but that still would have been like tight end four tight end five. Um, and he was, you know, kind of, you know, right on that, like, tight end one borderline, you know, top 12, top 13 when Ertz played. So, um, yeah, you know, I've moved down. I've moved Goddard down pretty much all summer. I'm um, taking, you know, Tunyon, Higby, and Thomas over him comfortably. Um, I think he's, like, right at the end of that, like, tight end 11, tight end 12 tier now. And, um, you know, all these guys really, you know, between Ertz, Smith, and uh, and Goddard, I mean, we're looking at 15 to 20%. Target share. And this is something you mentioned Quez Watkins. This is something Joe Dolan's been on for a couple weeks now that Quez Watkins is pushing Rager for for starting time in 12 personnel. And I think that's uh that's something we're gonna see. Uh, on the other side of the ball, one of the big things is Jacoby Myers playing in 12 personnel. He was like strictly slot last year. Well, not strictly slot, he was like 70-75% slot, but him getting some burn in 12 personnel has been huge. And Scott, he did something he's literally never done in his entire career, and that's score a touchdown. He scored this past weekend but him getting um, like bonafide uh, number one wide receiver usage is massive. And I know, I know Myers has been a guy you've been really high on uh, for most of the summer, most of the offseason.
1: Yeah. So you, you moved on just a little too quickly. I, I did want to say something I've struggled with is, you know, I released my guys and then just about all of those guys are skyrocketing up by ADP uh, Gaskin went in the other direction, but I mean that, you always sort of played that. Like that was just you you, you knew that was a, a possibility and I I don't hate the process, but Jalen Hurts, you know, one of my guys, absolutely love. Yeah. He is not he's moving down and yeah. it doesn't make sense. Like everyone's like, Oh my gosh, Quest Watkins looks awesome. Rieger's having some great practices, some great highlights, you know, both tight ends are doing and it's yeah, the they had no one healthy last year. Like look at their most targeted mm-hmm. receivers, Travis Fulgham, like really And so everyone's excited about the receiving core, but for whatever reason, Jalen Hurts isn't moving up boards and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Jacoby Myers.
0: Yeah. Real real quick on Hurts. It's people like there was that fake report that came out, you know, what was it two weeks ago about Deshaun Watson and the Eagles potentially being interested. That was pure smoke the whole time. And I really think people are just like looking for a reason to be lower on Hurts because he's not a good passer. So I really do think that's a big part of it. And, yeah, getting, you know, getting that weaponry back, getting Devonta Smith back, you know, clearly not even laboring off that knee sprain is was huge. So but yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't have any good sources, but I have friends who have really good sources. And so uh right when that tweet dropped, they reached out to their guy who would know, who's who's close with um front office personnel in Houston and the text they got back within minutes is yeah, confirmed total BS, yeah, but, but part of me wanted to just retweet the initial fake report. like I just want to put out like a bunch of false flags so my guys <laughs> stop moving up ADP, like just retweet as much Antonio Gibson hated as, as I could find, even though I don't uh, don't agree with any of it. but yeah, Jacoby Myers, in uh, my guys, you know, Jacoby Myers, every single draft, Jacoby Myers, every single draft. Uh, just absolutely love him. I, I could be wrong on him. It, it could be Nelson Aguilar as the guy to target. Luckily, they're both basically free by ADP, so you can grab both. But I, I definitely do prefer Jacoby Myers. I won't get into, uh, you know, my reasons for liking him, which I, I laid out, I think, expertly in my guys and upside wide receivers. But uh, let's just, yeah. I mean, clearly the most targeted uh, receiver with the first string offense. I, I don't. I don't think a single wide receiver has one target with the first string offense. He looked awesome. He's mm-hmm. only ever looked awesome. That that slot role in New England is hyper valuable. It looks like he is that slot wide receiver. He is a starter in two wide receiver sets. People worry about the increase in twelve personnel. I'm not. That year, Gronk and Hernandez both had over a thousand yards. Wes Welker was in the slot like 99% of the time. And he was like two targets away from Calvin Johnson from leading the league in targets. So uh, just he's free and he, he should be like eight rounds more expensive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dwayne McFarland from PFF. um, And I think you put this in the article too, but you know, he made a good note that Aguilar is like strictly the deep threat, you know, Aguilar kind of turned into like a weirdly enough, he kind of turned into like Deshaun Jackson type last year. And I think that's kind of the role that you know the Patriots are envisioning already. Is they want them to kind of stretch the field and use Myers and all their tight ends underneath. Um, and I think I mentioned it, but Myers playing a twelve personnel is, is huge because you know, like you said, that slot role is valuable. But he, him being a full time player and playing in their two tight end sets, which we know they're going to do pretty heavily, is massive. Um, before we move on, I you know Mac Jones has looked freaking good, man. Like Zach Wilson has, I think, looked um, looked the most sharp out of all of the rookie quarterbacks so far. Uh, Lance has been pretty up and down. Fields has been pretty up and down. But, but Mac Jones, man, I think I think he's looked really sharp. We're recording this a couple hours for the Jags play uh, on Monday night. So we'll see how Lawrence looks tonight. But I think Jones has looked really good. And I think I think we're going to see Jones a little bit earlier than people are expecting. Cam's going to start week one, but I, I would not be surprised uh if he struggles, you know, if he struggles out of the gates, they might pull they might pull cam pretty quickly.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So that, that factors into my analysis on yeah. Jacoby for sure. Yeah. Uh, and you know, cam's going to be better than he was last year, but he was worse than Tim Tebow. Like He was a Tim Tebow yeah. clone last year. It was bad. And like, it hurt everyone on that offense. So Mac Jones comes in. That's huge for Jacoby. That's huge for J- Janu, who I like a lot. It's big for Aguilar and it's huge for Damian Harris, you know, fewer, Goal line vultures, James White. It's 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 better news for him. Another interesting note about New England is beat writers have been hyping up all camp, uh, Sony Michelle in the passing game, and it's yeah. not something yeah. I believed at all. But we really saw that, and he looked good. Uh, you have to wonder if if it's going to come down to whether they cut him or Ramondre, or maybe they'll find a way to keep both. But Man, uh, did I, with the way it, because you, you have a gr- I know you He's you have a so great good. James He's White with rex burkhead stat and it seems like they might be trying to force uh sony into that role i don't know what what is your what is your james white stat?
0: yeah so rex burkhead leaving is is freaking huge man like burkhead last year ran essentially the same amount of routes in their healthy games as james white did Um, and in the games that that james white has not played with rex burkhead over the last three years he's averaged like 15.2 fantasy points per game which you know like I've been you know writing about this talking about this all off season but when you go like you know here running back superhero running back in your drafts and you only take one running back in the first two rounds and then just basically punt your second running back slot I know you're not a big fan of this but like James White's that guy man first couple weeks of the season where you can just kind of like bank on him getting you 8 10 12 14 points while you play the waiver wire or wait on guys like Trey Sermon or Chase Edmonds to kind of pop um, but yeah man I, I think I think we're going to get max sooner rather than later um, and real quick on Sony, like he looked dude, he looked kinda good last year. I think he's I think he's kinda over some of the nagging issues that he had, you know, either knee and foot and ankle problems he had, you know, coming out of college and then his first couple of years in the pros. He looked good last year and on his very limited snaps so far. I think he's kinda backed that up. Um I, I think them targeting him might just be them trying to showcase him so they can get like a conditional six for him or something uh in the next couple of weeks. But but yeah, we'll see. I mean, the thing is, the you know, I think Mike Reese from ESPN's been on this, but like Ramondre can play special teams. Sony Michelle can't, and I think that's probably what's going to get uh, Ramondre like for sure a roster spot, no matter what. But uh, I did want to know before we move on. the The Patriots' schedule is like kind of quietly brutal. Like to start the year, they pl- they play three really good defenses in their first four games between the Dolphins, the Saints, and the Bucks. Now, granted, the Dolphins, Saints, and Bucks are all at home. Uh, they go on the road in week two to play the Jets, but you know Salah is going to have those boys uh, a lot more prepared than last year. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I think we could see, I think we could see Mac by week four, week five if the Patriots start slow offensively. Um, you got any, anything more on Patriots Eagles, or you want to move on?
1: Yeah, let's move on. All right,
0: Michael um, Hardman, man, uh, he's you know kind of gotten some faint praise from Chiefs beats all off season that he's more focused. Uh, that he looks, you know, kind of more in tune with things, and I always take those types of reports with just a, a massive grain of salt. I mean, you know, some beats are super trustworthy and, and put a lot of work into what they do, and in some and some don't. So, so you kind of have to like take some of these sources with a massive grain of salt. Uh, but Mikol is man, you know, you noted this in your review, but but Mikol kind of got a Tyreek Hill role in in the in years past, you know. He wasn't even Tyreek's direct backup. I mean, we saw Demarcus Robinson play ahead of him plenty of times. We saw Sandy Watkins, excuse me, get an increased role in the games that Hill's missed in the past. Um, and Mikol, you know, you know, got, was the number one receiver this past week. I mean, Tyreek didn't play. Travis Kelsey uh, was out there, but you know, kind of just BSing basically. He, did, he I, don't, I don't even think he got a target, but. Um, man, Mikol is is I think some of this is is somewhat real, and they desperately need, you know, they desperately need a number three. Demarcus Robinson just kind of is what he is. I think Byron Pringle's interesting, but but Mikol taking a big step would be huge. Um, what what have you seen from Mikol? And, You know, I don't I don't think you and I have even talked about Mikol this offseason. So, are you targeting him at all, or or how what's your approach there?
1: I think what we saw this past week was Hardman's upside if Tyreek Hill were to suffer an injury and that that's league winning upside. Remember they drafted him during that, that whole controversy where there was a threat, he might be suspended the full season. And he was sort of used and featured like Tyreek. He looked good. He got open. He scored that touchdown. Uh, But, but I think, you know, realistically everyone healthy, he's the number three receiver and a sizable distance behind Tyreek and Kelsey who are really the focal point get featured, but still that's a valuable role. Think think, think Sammy Watkins plus it's, it's the number three receiver, but on one of the most potent passing offenses of maybe all time. Uh, And, you know, he's hyper-athletic. He's historically hyper-efficient throughout his career. Uh, So there's definitely upside there. Um, But, but I, I wouldn't expect too much with everyone healthy.
0: Yeah. The big question for Mikol will be when they go into 12, does he see like a not a full time role? Because they're going to rotate some of their guys. They rotate Ty- Tyreek Hill a little bit too. But if when they go into 12 stuff, does Mikol play or is it DeMarcus? And when they go into 11, uh, where does Mikol line up? Because they move Tyreek Hill all over the field too. So yeah, I mean, regardless, there's you know, with Sammy Watkins gone, there's 16% target share. To be taken, Watkins got 16% in 2019 in his healthy games last year. He ironically got a 16% target share too. So, you know, 16% of you know Patrick Mahomes' targets in a very pass-heavy offense is is extremely valuable. You know, 16% on I don't know like the Ravens is meaningless, but on the Chiefs, it can you know shake out to 90 to 100 targets. And uh, and yeah, Miko, I think I think is kind of in that he can be Watkins plus, but the big question for me is does he rotate with Robinson and, and Pringle in 12 um real quick before we move on Clyde Edwards-Alaire had an ankle injury I haven't seen anything else uh regarding like the severity of it Andy Reid did mention after the game he doesn't believe it's a high ankle issue which is which is good because high ankles t- typically linger a little bit longer than low uh, low ankle sprains. so we'll have to see on that but the thing I took away <clears throat> after Edwards-Alaire exited uh Darrell Williams basically played every single snap uh, wasn't Derek McKinnon, so uh, we kind of saw a little bit of what we saw during the Super Bowl push last year. Is that Darrell Williams is is, uh, is Edwards direct backup, and I think McKinnon will play some sort of like passing down third down hurry up role if uh, if C E H were to miss. Um, yeah, right.
1: so he he was a full participant in practice today. They're really? saying okay, it's a sore ankle, which is way better than okay. you know a high ankle yeah. sprain would be. You know. Potentially like four to six weeks.
0: Damn, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that means he's pretty much completely fine. They're probably just taking it really slow with them. Um, well, good. So no problem with CEH. Uh let's move on here to the Cardinals. And I think this is probably like one of the most interesting things that we're gonna talk about today is is just how good like Rondell Moore has looked, just how heavily they've used him. You know, granted DeAndre Hopkins has not not Played yet, but Rondale Moore, man, he's been in the slot a ton. They're just getting him a, a ton of like quick access, quick screen type of throws for Kyler. Uh, the Cardinals, you know, I think Rich Rebar has been all over this, but you know, the Cardinals are not an air raid, they're a horizontal raid offense. Uh, I love that, and uh, and yeah, Rondale's I think going to be a big part of it, man. I think he's going to be full time in the slot, he'll play slot in their 11 stuff, and they'll kind of rotate between Nuke, um, not, not Nuke, but AJ Green and and Chris Kirk um, in their eleven stuff, and obviously when they go four wide because they can finally actually go four wide now. Uh, Moore will be in the slot, but um, man, he's they they have made it a point of emphasis to get Rondell Moore the ball.
1: Yeah, and we knew that was going to happen. That's what Cliff Kingsbury said right after they drafted him. That was the guy they coveted the entire draft. <clears throat> My comp for him was Kryptonian Cole Beasley, and I think that's what you're hoping for for a best case scenario, like a. Freak athlete, Cole Beasley, PPR cheat code. Uh <clears throat> Right after they drafted him, he said he's going to be a day one starter in the slot. That's correct. That's what's going to happen. Said he's going to feature him, try and get him the ball as many ways as possible. That's happened. Uh, You know, he- heavy usage in the running game as well. So um, I think that's what we're going to see from Rondale. I-, I don't think he has Elijah Moore face melting upside, but I mean, he's he's a comparable talent. He's, he's his freshman season at Purdue is one of the greatest, you know, young wide receiver seasons of all time. He's a freak athlete. He's amazing after the catch. Uh, So just like a really exciting player and a a player you're going to want to draft for fantasy.
0: Yeah. I remember you slacking me like back in like February or March and you're like, dude, there are four games of Rondo Moore. you have to watch. And it was legitimately mouthwatering uh, what he can do after the catch. And that's something that the Cardinals have been missing this offense, man. I mean, you know, they got nuke, which was huge, but they never had a consistent number two. And I think Rondo Moore kind of gives them another element where they can kind of build, you know, build routes off of what Rondale does and the kind of like the shallow depth of target area and then build off of uh, off nuke on that side of the field too. Um, This is something that's interesting, though, and something I've kind of like, I know I've been a little bit higher on Chase Edmonds than than you've been this offseason, but I think, I think Rondale's, you know, kind of quick throw extension of the running game and the screen game is, is kind of a sneaky thing that Chase Edmonds is going to have to deal with because we're drafting Chase Edmonds to be like an Austin Eckler light type of player where you know Kyler's not going to drop you know dump off the ball like Justin Herbert does 28 and 29% of the time. Kyler's also not Lamar Jackson. Uh, Kyler's targeted his running backs on 20% of his throws over the last couple of years. That's like right around league average, maybe slightly below. But Lamar Jackson's like 12 13% targets to running back. So we just don't, you know, those scrambling quarterbacks typically throw to their running backs way less, but Kyler hasn't necessarily been that guy. Um, and another another aspect of this offense that's really interesting to me is like this past offseason Kyler basically said like, you know, my shoulder was real messed up uh, you know, in the middle middle half of the year. And I felt like we were like relying way too much on my scrambling and, and second reaction ability to kind of move the ball. So I, I do think we're gonna see a lot more like design quick throws to Rondale, but just how many uh just how many will will matter for Chase's upside. Um, but man, you know, the re the main reason I've really been on Edmonds is I, I just don't think James Conner is very good, man. Conner got the same exact, uh, free agent deal that Malcolm Brown got. It was a one year, $1.75 million deal. Uh, everybody kind of laughed at Malcolm Brown joining the dolphins and yeah, I get it. You know, he's, he's going to force some sort of rotation with uh, miles Gaskin and James Conner is definitely gonna be like an early down, you know, goal line back for sure. But uh, but man, I I just, I think Chase is just much, much better at football and, you know, he's going to be on the field for the one thing that, that you and I always are after. And that's, you know, that's the targets. And we saw that in this first preseason or second preseason game. Now Edmonds was on the field, man, well ahead of Connor. And um, I think that's something that we're going to be, that we're going to be looking into real heavily in week one. It's just how this, this running back split shakes out.
1: Yeah, so last year Edmonds averaged 4.8 carries and 4.3 targets per game when uh, Kenyon Drake played, which is basically worthless for starts hit fantasy leagues. Kenyon Drake averaged 15.9 carries, 2.1 targets per game. And based on Cliff Kingsbury's comments in the day three press conference, it really made it seem to me like Connor's going to slide into that Drake role and, and Chase Edmonds is going to see like two more touches per game, if that and so I, I wasn't on Edmonds at all, I and mean, then yeah, this is big. I mean, Connor missed week one of preseason, so we'll have to see what happens preseason week three. But yeah, Edmonds got a ton of early down work over uh, James Connor, and yeah, I might just be dead wrong on him. I, I've moved him way up my rankings. I mean, if he's if he gets all of the you know uh, work in games they're trailing, and then he still gets like fifty to 70% of the early down work, like he could be one of the more, one of the, one of the best values in drafts right now.
0: Yeah. You know, that, the the whole running back dead zone thing has just been beaten into a freaking oblivion to this point where it's just like, I don't know. It just makes my ears bleed sometimes listen to stuff about it now, but I mean, Edmonds, I think is, has always been a little underpriced in that dead zone because we already know he's going to get, you know, his four or five targets per game. And you know, James Connor hasn't completed a full season, like ever. Like he has he has that type of upside too. Uh if Connor misses time. And in the games that, that Edmonds was kind of forced into a workhorse role, I mean, we've seen him get, you know, massive touches, you know, 25, 28, 30 touches. And granted, that's some of that is just they had nothing else behind him, but they they kind of don't either. I mean, it's you know but, you know Benjamin, but uh I don't I don't really think that's uh too much of a thing. So yeah, I, th- I think Edmonds is probably going, I think he's been going a little too late to begin with, and it'll be interesting to see where his ADP shakes out in the next like week or so uh, based off small sample, but based off this usage. Um, all right. I think, I think this next player we're going to talk about, man, is, is someone you and I both desperately want to be a workhorse, Christian McCaffrey, you know, Ezekiel Elliott type of player. But thus far, man, in the you know, 30-ish, 35 snaps that Ryan Fitzpatrick has played, uh, it's been a lot of kind of the same usage that we saw last year. Uh, but there's a major caveat to this. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick has played 36 snaps between their first and second preseason games so far. And Gibson's been on the field for 20 of them. So that's like a 55, 56% snap rate. Uh, Gibson's only been on the field for one of nine third downs. But does that actually matter? Because on those twenty snaps that Gibson has played, he's gotten eleven carries and five targets. I mean, every single time he's been on the field, they are feeding him, trying to make it a point of emphasis to get him the ball in the passing game. I, I don't really think this like McKissick third down thing really matters all that much, man. If he's gonna get this type of usage on early down stuff and be the goal line back, I, you know, I, I don't think we're gonna see like the type of eighty percent you know, 75, 80% snapshot that we want. But that being said, I mean, damn, we will more than be more than happy with, you know, whatever that would shake out to be over four quarters, you know, 18, 20 carries four or five targets and all the goal line stuff on a very, very good Washington team.
1: Yeah. So I think fantasy experts are really overstating the impact of the third down role. Remember beat writers have been saying all off season that it's Gibson playing in the hurry up offense when they're running that at practice So really all you're looking at is third down, uh, not short yardage, but third down, you know, third and long passing plays. And that's really not that valuable for a running back at all. Like, I mean, Dalvin cook had 12 third down targets last year. Zeke had eight. It's just, it, it really, you don't, you don't really target your running backs too often on third and long. The bulk of their, uh, uh, value as a pass catcher really comes on those early down downs getting those early down targets and we definitely saw that with gibson like if you extrapolate what we've seen from him and you give him just like a 60 percent, 66 percent snap share it's still like the most valuable workload of any player in fantasy including christian mccaffrey just obscene usage they're going out of their way to target him heavily on first and second down again that's that's where running backs typically get their, their target volume, not third down. Um, So yeah. So uh, uh, he played on 68% of the team's uh, first team snaps uh, last week, Washington averaged about 66 snaps per game. Uh, And, you know, so he's had 12 carries and five targets and 24 total snaps extrapolate that you're looking at 22.3 carries, 9.3 targets per game. That's like, Christian McCaffrey on steroids, which is like crazy to even think about. And it's not too far off his usage in his last healthy game last year, 20 carries, seven targets, 37 fantasy points. And remember, as we've talked about all off season, you know, Scott Turner was saying like, yeah, we want to have him grow into that McCaffrey workload as the season moves on. We just didn't get a chance because he spent the remainder of the season hurt. But if he had stayed healthy, I think he's a guy who would be getting drafted top six, top seven uh so it just still an immense value to me still a bell cow to me uh the the only question is you know I've been struggling with my rankings him versus Mixon and I just kind of gave it to Gibson because he has the higher ADP but I just love both those guys so much
0: yeah you and I've talked about this quite a bit like Mixon Mixon ironically has the role we've always wanted him to have uh but he's on a significantly worse team behind a significantly worse offensive line so game script uh in touchdown upside will be a, a concern for mixon uh for, for the whole season. But Gibson on the flip side has an amazing defense that's gonna give him a lot of, you know, really good game scripts either, you know, between, you know, game between like a score or uh you know, Washington has a lead and they're just trying to like salt it away and Gibson can just kind of be the hammer. Um, but yeah, you make a great point about the value of that third down roll. Because, you know, even though, you know, guys like Josh Jacobs you know, never, Josh Jacobs has one career third down target, you know, like he just doesn't play third rounds. He's 80th among all running backs in routes run on third downs over the last two combined years, 80th. Um, But he also just doesn't get early down targets either. They just don't throw the ball to him. And I actually just pulled this. So on their 27, Washington's played 27 uh, first and second down. So it's early down snaps. And JD McKissick has been on the field for two. Too, Peyton Barber has played, you know, quite a few. Uh, but that's probably just Washington trying to give Gibson some sort of breather. I think Peyton Barber is going to get cut for Jarrett Patterson. Um, so, man, I mean, if McKissick's just not going to play any early downs, which was you know, not only a con- it was a concern last year, McKissick played on pretty much all of their third downs, and he played some some of their hurry up stuff, obviously, and he obviously was on the field quite a bit for the early down stuff too. But Gibson getting all of the first and second down. Snaps is massive. Um, all right, before we move on, I've got to give you the floor on Logan Thomas. He had another huge play. Granted, it was kind of like a broken play. He just wide open the flat. I think it was actually the first play of that game. Um, but Thomas has continued to to look good, and his usage has been fantastic. Um, you know, he's been on the field on every snap. Uh, he's had a number of, of really nice catches. There's one up the sideline. He had he had a couple of weeks uh, last week. It was kind of like a contested catch, and I mean it man, it looked real close to Darren Waller and what Darren Waller uh, can do. So yeah, man, uh, I think, I think I've been a little too low on Thomas. Um, I still think Curtis Samuel's role and kind of like what kind of target share he gets is probably going to threaten like Thomas's apex ceiling, but you know, there's no doubt he's been a, a strong value all summer. And he's someone that I've moved up my ranks here. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's somewhere I've moved up my ranks uh, quite a bit in the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, so bell cow running backs are like a cheat code at the position. Running backs who uh, are heavily involved in the running and passing games play nearly every snap. Uh, Konami code quarterbacks are a cheat code, you know, quarterbacks who run the ball, just a massive advantage. And we see the same thing with Logan Thomas. He's played on 100% of the team's first string snaps this preseason. He's blocked, like pass blocked, I think just one snap. So he's running a ton of routes. And you saw that last year. He ranks ninth among all receivers and routes run Kelsey ranked 16th Waller ranked 26th TJ Hawkinson ranked 54th. And that's just like such a massive advantage, like not to take anything away from TJ Hawkinson and his 2021 outlook, but basically he was playing three quarters of football per game to Thomas's four. So that's just a huge advantage. There's so much hype out of camp. Um, He's a converted quarterback. He's hyper-athletic. So I think you should expect him to take another significant step forward this year, not even including the improvement in quarterback play. Uh, so he's one of my favorite values in fantasy drafts.
0: Do you not have any concern with Thomas and his efficiency? He was really bad in like yards per route run. And you, know, I, you and I are both like always all over that as like the best efficiency metric, or was that more just like Alex Smith sucking?
1: I mean, I think that was part of it. Yeah. I think it was also, he was extremely inexperienced at the position not and true. Now he's a full year under his belt, uh, so I expect all those numbers to improve significantly. The tight end coach said he thinks he's already a top five tight end in the league. Right. Um, yeah, I, I just feel really good about Logan Thomas.
0: Yeah, and the good thing is, is like he's not going to creep up too much in ADP to a point where like if you you know if you take him in like you get real aggressive and take him in like the seventh or eighth round, even in that range, like you know the hit rate for you know, guys we're looking at in seventh, eighth round is, you know, 50% at best. So, I mean, even if Thomas is not necessarily the type of upside that you think he has, um, I, he's definitely not going to kill you in that range and probably have a pretty good four for the most part. Um All right. So we mentioned Konami code quarterbacks and, you know, wh- I've watched all of Trey Lance's snaps so far. I've watched all of Justin Fields snaps so far and I'm not sure if it's just like Shanahan just taking it real easy and, you know, not designing anything. but
1: um, Yeah, he said early yeah. on that Trey Lance is not going to be used in a okay. rushing capacity in the preseason. Okay, They're going to take it easy on him. When smart. he starts actual games, expect a ton of creative RPOs like Shanahan used with robert griffin the third in his rookie season yeah. a lot of rushing production do not overreact to
0: this. yeah i'm i'm, I'm not but um what i was going to say is like justin fields man they, they have put no cap on him he is he's been yeah. out there scrambling like a maniac i mean he's he's had a number of nice runs um man i you know i just can't imagine the bears going into week one with with dalton instead of fields like that's just laughable to me still but i guess we'll see Um Oh, so I don't
1: know about that. Really? My, my guy, Mike Renner, says he would not start Justin Fields behind this offensive line. Interesting. And all of my PFF guys are telling him the same thing. This might be take lock. because I, I don't they, get that, man. If you
0: want... Okay, the Bears offensive line is shit. When you want the guy who can actually move back there? Like Andy Dalton's a freaking statue. You know what I mean?
1: I, yeah, but he's also inviting a lot of pressure. Fields is? Uh, that's what they're saying, uh, yeah. That's, so that's again, okay. it might be take lock because these guys weren't that high on him uh, in the draft you know, analysis portion. Uh, but they're saying he doesn't look good. They're saying he doesn't look ready. I mean, I have Danny Kelly saying the opposite and I, I definitely trust him, but all my PFF guys yeah. are really nervous about Justin Fields, which is weird. But from a fantasy perspective, you have to be extremely excited. So Trey Lance was the more productive runner in college, yep. but Justin Fields is an all time freak athlete. You know, the third best, speed score of any quarterback all time, third best 40-yard dash time. And uh, through four quarters, not four complete quarters, but four quarters and two preseason games, he's totaled 26.8 fantasy points, nine carries, 79 rushing yards, and a score. And and yeah, man, I mean, even if he's not that ready, he's still an improvement to Andy Dalton in my eyes. And he yeah. should, with that you know rushing floor, should still be very productive for fantasy.
0: Yeah, I mean, Fields has played, you know, basically a game's worth of snaps. He played, I think, I think I've got it at 70. So that's right at a game's worth. And him having, you know, nine for 79 and a touchdown is, is fantastic. Um, well, I was going to mention something about Fields. Oh, uh, one of the things that I keep thinking about with this Bears offense, right, is like it worked best when Trubisky was running. Like that offense, when they were right. running RPOs and Trubisky was scrambling, that's when the Bears offense always looked its best. And I, I just have to think, Nagy, like man, I, I, I really hope he goes back to some of that, some of that type of, you know, RPO, run action, play action with fields, because like Andy Dalton, just he ain't, he ain't gonna cut it, man. He, he's just not. He ain't gonna cut it. And I, I think, you know, that first, <laughs> first game, man, they get the, <laughs> they get the Rams, like Aaron Donald and that offensive line is, is gonna be nasty, and you know. Our defensive line, I, sh- I should say. And if, you know, Dalton takes five, six, seven sacks, like we're going to see, we're going to see Fields week two against the Bengals. Um, but yeah, inter- that's all interesting about Fields not looking ready. You know, I've heard from a number of people that I respect too that Fields has looked, has looked, you know, good so far. You know, Lance has kind of been more up and down. So um, interesting opinions all around. Um, let's talk quickly here before we get to, um, Uh, a couple of running backs. Let's talk quickly about Corey Davis. Um, Elijah Moore has obviously been out uh, with a quad injury. I think they're just really taking it slow with him. Um, Moore's obviously had a fantastic summer between OTAs. Uh, He looked great in camp apparently too. We'll see if he can get any work in. Be good to see him in that third preseason game this coming week, but we'll have to see. Uh, Corey Davis though has been, uh, he's been Zach Wilson's like by far number one target. Um, And I I think, I think regardless of you and I, and, you know, especially you being super high on Moore, I think we've, we've been a little too low on Davis.
1: No, that's, that's absolutely right. And this does pour a little cold water on, you know, the Elijah Moore hype uh, because Davis has looked excellent. He has looked legitimately excellent and Wilson has targeted him on 10 of his 20 total pass attempts even more impressively, this is ridiculous. Davis has ten targets on thirteen total routes. So Oof. you want to extrapolate that over a full season, and we should project five hundred and eighty-seven targets for Corey Davis. Uh, he's caught six of those ten targets for eighty-eight yards. Again, he looks great, but also Zach Wilson looks great, and that's yeah. that's an important point. Is you know, phenomenal velocity going through his progressions the right way, which apparently Fields is not doing, and he didn't do in college. Um, so you have to be a little excited about this offense, especially given the fact that they have far and away, probably the worst defense in all of football. So they should lean pass heavy. You need Zach Wilson, who, who looks like, you know, Justin Bieber back there, uh, to stay healthy (laughs) of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting and, uh, you know, Corey Davis probably too low on him. Uh, you know, I, I, I said from day one, Elijah Moore would be the wide Receiver one in on this team, but you know Davis is is really making a compelling case for himself.
0: Yeah, I was uh, I was listening to a little bit of a pod that our guy Greg Cosell was on this morning, and I, I could seriously listen to Cosell talk about quarterbacks like twenty four hours a day. Um, and he mentioned, you know, he just he in his typical Cosell voice, he mentioned that that Wilson's arm looks loose and live, and that's like the perfect way to describe it. I mean, he just he's looked every single bit of the part uh any of that missed time he had because of whatever the contract snafu is, just not not been not been a big problem whatsoever um i I do think at the end of the day i think we're going to see more and davis like kind of be some sort of like 1a 1b uh to start like the first month of the season and we'll see how it goes from there uh but you also make a good point that the jets the jets defense stinks like they're going to be in You know, I think Salah is going to elevate them and they're going to be way more competitive than they were last year. Uh, But that being said, I mean, talent wise, they're 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 in a really, really tough spot. Um, The I think the bigger takeaway in this game, man, is Michael Carter. Like he played far behind Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman. He didn't see a single snap with Zach Wilson and the first team offense this past week. And that's, that's kind of a departure from last the first preseason game granted Tevin Coleman didn't play, uh, but Ty Johnson and Carter, at least for uh, split snaps. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if something's going on with Carter, if, if he's just had a few bad weeks or, or something's going on here that we're not seeing in the jets media, because, and you know OTAs in the first couple weeks of training camp when even when Tevin Coleman and, and Ty Johnson were there Carter was getting first team snaps so to see him fall to a distant third on the depth chart and play well into the fourth quarter was was interesting um I'm not necessarily sure if it's just like they want to get an extended look at the rookie but him not getting any any first team snaps is a is a really big concern
1: Yeah so I don't know. I feel somewhat duped by New York Jets beat writers who have continuously said all off season. He's like strictly playing with the ones he looks excellent. He looks yeah. like probably the best running back they have. And yeah, this usage really goes against that. So I have moved him completely off of my guys. Like I, I really baked in. You know, I, he's still probably the RB one a uh, definitely. So I think in the second half, but yeah, this, this, wasn't too encouraging
0: yeah I've been a little tepid on Carter all off season. I've been taking if I'm taking a running back in like the seventh eighth round it was like one of the Niners guys or Damian Harris um, but I don't know man I, I just really I, I've really struggled with with Carter and you know maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of like my own take lock but you know Carter's been like he just he never struck me as a guy that you're going to give the ball to 18, 20 times a game. Um, you know, he just never struck me as that guy to begin with. He's, I've always thought he's kind of on that like geo Bernard chase Edmonds spectrum. And I think, I think that's kind of what we're seeing a little bit of, but I, I do I do wonder, man, I do wonder if there's something going on with uh, with, you know, he's just maybe had a couple bad practices here because him getting first team reps and OTAs and, in training camp. I mean, that's something, that's not something that these beats can lie about, you know, like if he's the first guy out there, he's the first guy out there. Um, all right. Another running back that have had, like, <laughs> we, we, we ran the gambit on last week, uh, and kind of, you know, maybe we left him for dead a little too early was miles Gaskin. I think some of it was an overreaction for sure. Uh, but Gaskin got way, uh, way better usage this past week. Um, Malcolm Brown was a distant third. Salvin Ahmed played quite a bit still. I don't know. Even though Gaskin was the the clear like 1A, and I think he's going to end up being the, the clear one A of this committee to begin with. Um I, I still I'm still not too excited about Gaskin, even though the usage was was much, much better this past week.
1: Yeah, so so why you were drafting him a few months ago was you were just hoping he had the bell cow role he had last year when, you know, from week five on he averaged about 16 carries, 4.5 targets, 19.7 fantasy points per game. That's mid range RB one production and volume. Like that's, that's excellent. And you were just hoping that the coaching staff would be smart. And it's like, Hey, we know who Malcolm Brown is. We know he stinks. And this guy played really well for us last year, capable pass catcher as well as a runner. So let's, let's just use them in that same role. And now the coaching staff is telling us, no, no, we're, we're donkeys. And we're going to force a three-way committee. So, so you have to just hope that, you know, Gaskin is so much better than the other guys that they'll come to their senses. And that's a significant demotion in my rankings, you know, because mm-hmm. time and time again, we've seen donkey coaches force committees with, you know, an RB two averaging 3.8 yards per carry, but still getting a ton of volume. And, you know, that's, that's a concern for me. He, you know, he led the backfield. I think he's going to lead the backfield, mm-hmm. but it was still a three-way committee and that, that really hurts him for fantasy.
0: Yeah. One of the biggest things this off season is the dolphins, you know, they moved on from Chan Gailey and they have co-offensive coordinators, which you rarely ever see. Uh, they elevated their former tight end coach, George Godsey, and their former running backs coach Eric Studesville. Um, and you know, man, I, I think I think us just baking in Gaskin getting the same exact role as last year, even though they've changed their their coordinators, is was probably not the right call. And also, I mean, Denver Denver sniped Miami, man. Like they moved up, they moved up, Elway moved up in front of Miami because they knew that Chris Greer was going to take, uh, they, he was going to take. Um, he was going to take Javante Williams. So they moved up one spot ahead of them and took him. I, I just think there's been so much like kind of writing on the wall that's kind of been there. Uh between the tea leaves, between the offensive coordinators, and then obviously, you know, them wanting Javante. I think the tea leaves have kind of been there all along, that they're much lower on Gaskin. Uh, much lower on Gaskin than than maybe the public is. Uh, one guy, man, that has not gotten shitty usage this preseason is Najee Harris. Man, he's been on the field for like almost every single a uh, snap for the first team offense in the first two games with Rudolph back there. He got the same exact role when big Ben played a little bit this week. Um, I, I, I don't really think we need to spend much time on this, but man, Najee Harris, bell cow lock it in and the Steelers offensive line, as you heard on our podcast last week with Wes has looked much, much better than anticipated. So I think, I think Harris is set up for just a massive, massive touch load here.
1: Yeah. Pittsburgh, uh, came into last week with the overall highest run blocking grade for their offensive line. So, you know, everyone was panicked about that, but they've looked great. They've only given up two sacks in the passing game through two preseason games. Harris. I mean, he, he's seeing Le'Veon Bell type usage, and this is something we've talked about all off season. Mm-hmm. This is what they want. This is why they drafted him. Mike Tomlin is just like me in that he's, you know, bell coward bust with his running backs. Um, he played on 15 of 16 snaps of the first string offense last week uh, on 25 total snaps, this preseason, six carries, five targets, 82 yards. And those five targets, that's, that's, that's huge, you know? So even if the offensive line does struggle, even if uh, Pittsburgh's as bad as Vegas thinks they're going to be, which, you know, for the first time in maybe a decade, they think they're going to be bad. It doesn't really matter if he's getting that passing right. game usage. So uh, you have to be really excited about Najee Harris for for a redraft.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I think I've been a little too low on Harris. Um, I, I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit. I, I love that res- this, the receivers in his range. I, I've been drafting Mixon and Gibson, uh, you know, above him pretty much every single time. But but Harris in the back half of that second round is looking like a, a really really good bet. Um, all right, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. We talked about this with West last week too. But Teddy Bridgewater, man, has I just think if you're gonna if you're going play the type of ball the Broncos want to play ball control, rely on your defense, run the hell out of the ball Teddy bridgewater's your guy, and Bridgewater has looked much better than drew Locke. he Bridgewater balled the hell out in their second game. Locke had a great throw to KJ Hamler uh, against the Vikings last week uh, but that's really all that Locke has put together i think I think at this point Bridgewater, if you're betting Bridgewater would be like probably minus three hundred to be the week one starter. Um, and I think that's that's huge for both Judy and Sutton. I mean, Bridgewater at least can put the ball on target against man or zone. That's something that Drew Locke has really struggled with uh, in his career thus far. He's been highly, highly inaccurate. Uh, you made a great point uh, a couple weeks ago, really, was on the West Pod uh, about Locke just not seeing open open guys and Teddy Bridgewater. That's what he is, man. He throws to the open guy. He facilitates the offense. He stays within himself. And that's kind of what we've seen. So I I think we're going to see Bridgewater week one starter. And, oh, baby, if that happens, it's Jerry Judy season, man. It is Jerry Judy season. His ADP is skyrocketing, uh, but I really don't think there's a point. There's not going to be a point in your draft where you're like, man, Judy's too expensive. Like unless he starts going ahead of like Adam Thielen or something, uh, then you're not going to see a point where Judy's too expensive.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bridgewater supported three – top 25 wide receivers by total fantasy points last year. He's much better than Locke at seeing and then hitting the opening guy and ball placements really good. So, so he really opens up an Avenue for the receiver to gain yards after the catch. And that's not something Locke does at all. You know, he has a much stronger arm. Bridgewater is, you know, a very poor deep ball thrower. Mm-hmm. But uh, Locke, you know, he likes those jump ball receivers, which isn't Judy's game at all. It is Sutton's game. It is Tim Patrick's game. Uh, you know, ball placement isn't great for Yak. Doesn't doesn't see the open guy, and so yeah, fingers crossed. It's it's Teddy, which again would be huge for Jerry Judy. If it's Locke, that's good news for Sutton. It's bad news for Judy. But uh, fingers crossed for for Teddy.
0: Yeah, even though if Teddy's not super aggressive, I still think Bridgewater just is. And, and, and again, like this is a not the best curve, but Bridgewater is like just so much better than Locke. Like I, I hear you that that you know. Yeah.
1: So I I don't know I don't know. So like you hear Greg talk about constantly, the league knows who Teddy is. Right. He's a high end backup, very low end starter, and he's 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 not going to do much in the deep passing game, and you know no upside. Whereas Locke does have upside, you know, if he could just fix this and this, he could be really good. And, you know, maybe they're thinking more long-term. So it wouldn't shock me if, if Locke's the starter out of the gates, but uh, yeah. the, the good news is with Bridgewater, there's the safety net. There's no way uh, quarterback play is going to be as bad as it was last year because Locke would just get benched.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, Man, one rookie who has been awesome so far, like just jumped off the screen. And I know I sit at the top. I, I'm trying not to like get too excited about guys that like just look good. Terrence Marshall looks freaking awesome. Like coming off all those injuries out of LSU, uh, he looked fantastic. In their first game, he caught a be- I mean, he just roasted this Ravens corner um, on a like a 37-yarder up the sideline to, from Will Greer um, in their second preseason game. Um, Marshall just, just looks freaking awesome. His ADP is, has skyrocketed. I think, I think he's gotten to a point now where we can probably bake in that he's going to, he's going to probably hurt Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore's like overall target share. Um, he's still, I think going to be fourth in total targets on this team. Um, at least to start the year, uh, behind McCaffrey as well, but man, Marshall, I think they hit a home run with Marshall, man. If he's going to play slot full time, too, I know this is something you've been all over with, with Darnold um, and his receivers. If Marshall's going to play slot, you know, not, maybe not full time, but like 60, 70% of the time, I think, I think, uh, we're kind of underrating how much upside Marshall really has. And he might, and he might already be better than than Robbie Anderson.
1: All right. Would you take DJ Moore over Jerry Judy?
0: Hmm. I've been out on Moore all offseason, so man, that's really close. Right,
1: right. So, so Damn. the biggest thing with with Terrace Marshall being a thing is I don't get DJ Moore's ADP. He finished twenty fifth in total fantasy points last year. McCaffrey and his one hundred plus targets were were out of the picture. Um, he ranked behind Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson in fantasy points per game. So you are you are betting on him jumping those guys in the target totem pole. You're you're also banking on Sam Darnold being really good and not you know as bad as he's been throughout his entire career, and so Terrace Marshall to me, uh, yeah, I think just just makes me like Robbie and and DJ significantly less. I, and I I do believe in Terrace Marshall's talent. You know, he went late in the draft, but uh, there there were injury concerns there. The offensive coordinator has a history with him. And again, yeah, Darnold loves the slot wide receiver, and that that could be him.
0: Yeah, people that have been taken like I don't know, more ahead of like Amari Cooper and Adam Thielen. That's just like been free money. But I think I think you're onto something. That Judy's probably even a better bet than more. Um, man, I just I, I kind of wish I got more Marshall early on because he was going like 18th, 19th round in best ball, and now he's you know routinely going 12th, 13th, 14th. I, I feel like that was that was a mistake. I was a little bit concerned about the injuries and his injury past and, and Darnold. I still think that the Darnold thing is a concern, but man, he, he, you know, we talk about this all the time. Targets are earned and Terrace Marshall is freaking earning his targets right now. Um, all right. Before we get out of here, we got to talk about the Niners quarterback situation. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, man played one, one drive. It was 15 plays. It was extremely sluggish. Uh, he had a, a, extremely high throw and an open Brandon Ayuk who was going towards the sidelines. He overthrew it by like five yards over his head. And then later in the drive, that end of the drive, he threw another extremely high pass that clanged off Ayuk's hands. Uh, Asante Samuel picked it off. Garoppolo did not look good in their first preseason game. I think he looked very sluggish in this game. Uh, But the problem is I don't think Trey Lance has done a ton to really put a stamp on, Hey, this is an actual quarterback battle. Uh, Lance was pretty up and down. He had a bad pick of his own on a high throw uh, that just didn't have any. It, it had like no feel to it. I mean, he just zipped it in there and it just clanged off Sanu's hands. Um, you know, we saw in that, the second game, Lance got quite a bit of burn. He played into the third quarter. We saw a little bit of like the pocket movement um, from, from Lance just like being able to feel and sense pressure way better than Garoppolo, which isn't surprising at all. Uh, but we mentioned earlier, you know, Lance just hasn't gotten any of the design stuff. And that's been, you know, that's been Shanahan's own doing. Uh, but man, I, I have a bet in on Lance starting week one. And I, I'm getting pretty concerned that I, I don't think it's going to cash.
1: Yeah. I mean, Trey Lance hasn't looked amazing, he, he's very up and down. Uh, luckily, I, I don't think that really matters too much from a fantasy perspective, just with that receiving core. You know three of the best yards after the catch monsters in football. Uh, he's just so well set up for success. The running game too. Uh, you know Kyle Shanahan being a genius, working those RPOs, letting him loose in the running game. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that he starts week one. I don't know that he starts week two, week three. I just know that when he does start, uh, there's a really good chance he's going to return at least low end QB one production on a fantasy point per game basis.
0: Yeah. And the good, the good thing is, I mean, I'm still all over Lance, you know, in the 12th, 13th, 14th round. Um, And you can kind of bake in, um, you know, him missing at least week one or week two and kind of, you know, find ways to get production. Uh, I like Baker Mayfield quite a bit as that guy, they get uh, the chiefs week one, uh, and then the dead Texans week two, I think her cousin's another, another good option too. If you
1: you know, who's two. a good comp for Lance? Who's that? Initially I was saying, you know, he reminds me a lot of Patrick Mahomes, yeah. his sophomore season. And so maybe he's Mahomes, like who all of the draft experts thought Mahomes would be, which is like very mm-hmm. up and down, high ceiling, uh, you know, great arm velocity and strength, but questionable decision making, no real finesse to his game. Obviously, Mahomes turned out to be one of the best quarterbacks in football with a genius head coach. Um but but maybe just who draft ex- experts thought he was right. or maybe maybe a factor in the rushing Josh Allen. Like not yeah. Josh Allen last year, like maybe he'll be last year's version of Josh Allen at some point in his career, but maybe Josh Allen from 2 years ago plus I could see that being the case.
0: Yeah, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. I've seen some Cam comps, um, and I think Cam is still probably his ultimate comp for like a rookie season type of ceiling. But, yeah, I think Allen makes makes quite a bit of sense. I mean, Allen didn't really play with any finesse at all until late into his second year and definitely last year. Um, so, you know, Lance is going to be a project. I think we all kind of expected that, especially since he didn't play um, at all basically last year. He played one game. Um, you know, was always going to be a big learning curve. And I think we're kind of seeing that, the up-and-downness of it all. But, I mean, his that second touchdown he threw to Travis Benjamin was gorgeous, man. I mean, he, like, looked off the safety, went back to the middle of the field, and, and delivered a freaking dart. Um, so I, I definitely like that Josh Allen call. And that's our son, man. That is our son. Josh Allen is our son. <laughs> so we want, we want Lance to eventually have a, a 2020 Allen type of season. Maybe it won't be this year, but – Definitely. In his so situation. he's
1: he's our son from the JM Pod. For those of you who aren't aware of that, although me and Danny Kelly have been calling Zach Wilson our bouncing baby boy, <laughs> maybe because he like looks like he's six years old, dude. He le- face. He looks like. Or, he- also because I envision Aaron Donald bouncing his head off of the turf, like a basketball. He is, so, <laughs> he is so tiny.
0: He is real small. He looks like he's freaking 16, man. Like he looks like he just got off like the high school field and he's about to go like get McDonald's afterwards or something.
1: Here, here's a hot take. People don't understand how competitive I am, how hyper competitive I am, how, how Machiavellian I am, or e- even better yet how Belichickian I am when it comes to competition. If I were the owner of the New York jets, what I would do is I would say, this is a loss season. I'm, I'm pumping as much HGH and testosterone <laughs> into Zach Wilson as he can handle. I'm opening up those growth p- plates. I'm putting him through a second puberty. So he looks more like his dad. I don't know if you've seen his dad, but his I dad like, looks like the Hulk. Really? His dad is like gigantic. Yeah. His, his brother too, kind of uh, is, is a linebacker and he looks like it, but like Zach Wilson, you know, looks like a kid in a Disney channel movie playing Zach Wilson in a movie type of thing. So I would just you know, take the suspension for your rookie season, stay healthy, get jacked out of your mind, and then take the league by storm. I would create like this superhuman Zach Wilson, but unfortunately <laughs> that's not going to happen because I don't have billions of dollars.
0: Um, dude, they should have signed Will Fuller this off season and just gotten Zach Wilson on whatever Fuller was on last year. That, that's what they should have done. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, good stuff, man. This is awesome. Um, nice tight hour of you know some actionable takeaways from the preseason. Uh, we might be back with another pod later this week. Uh, Scott, I know you're doing some traveling, so, um, it might end up being the following week, but we'll see. Um, if you see another two bars in your podcast feed later this week, here you go. You'll be pleasantly surprised that we come back, but, uh, yeah, man, this has been great. Um, Take us out of here. Uh, Enjoy the final week of preseason if we don't talk to you again. Um, Like I said from the top, we'll be updating projections and and all of that every single day in the lead up to the biggest draft weekend of the season. And, again, you're going to want to get in, get your cheat sheets, bring it to your draft, beat all your friends' asses. 21 Barfield 10, save you 10% off any subscription. All right, man, this has been fun. Swamp Prats, we'll catch you next time.
2: Welcome to Fantasy Points Radio. Uh, we bring to you Barfield and Barrett. All of these, all of these, all of these, all of these, all of these parrots say hell it in Like why did they err it with all of these errors and barf and bury You cannot compare it. The kings of this era, there should be a tariff on all of this knowledge. I follow regardless and straight to the point like a crow. Popping and coming losing my oxygen. Takes us that got made me go. Yeah. Whoa. So what's a swamp rat gotta do? I'm chasing all of this cheese, even if my competition grew Nooses to the mean, your boy is never regressing Off season through the season, 365, 247 And it's one, one for the money, two bars on the show the boys stay ready, swamp rats, let's go It's the fantasy points, ain't no raggedy joint They mad at me scoring points, but then they glad that they joined one foot of money, two bars on the show The boys stay ready, swamp rats, let's go It's the fantasy points, ain't no raggedy joint They mad at me scoring points, but then they glad that they joined.